leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Jason Douglas from Three Guys Talking, and you're listening to the 4D Podcast Network. Uh, welcome everybody back to Hard Day Diaries. I'm your host Andy Matfield. Thank you for tuning in. We're in season four, episode five. Uh, having a great time so far. About halfway through the season. Probably going to do ten episodes uh, this this time around. And uh, just looking forward to seeing what else we hear this episode. Um, I've got no special news or anything like that. Uh, nothing coming up as far as I know. Uh, this is October and this came out in November, so I hope I'm vastly wrong on that. To prove me wrong, you can go to andymanfield.com. Uh, you can like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, please share and comment, all that stuff. It really helps me know where I'm at for the show and what you'd like to hear or things that we can kind of adjust and get better at. Um, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest for today, writer, comedian, and social worker, Rita Winchester. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so uh, we've talked a lot. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about this this episode, so I'm a little bit more familiar than I normally am going into a show. Um, but would you like to tell everyone what we're going to talk about? We are talking about pain. Yes. Pain. And specifically, when you, uh, when I first met you, you were in a walking boot. I was, yeah, from a foot injury. And uh, so, how did it happen? I don't remember. It's been two weeks. Okay. I, like I supplanted <laughs> the memory, but you told me how it happened, and it sounded pretty, like pretty messed up. Okay, so. The whole story is I was refing. I was an on-skates ref for this small little summer roller derby league. And my foot started hurting worse than usual. Skaters' feet kind of always hurt. It's just something that happens. Um, but this was hurting worse, and I was having pain in my knees, and I was having shin splints. Oof. And it was just – it kept going. So I tried – doing everything that you do with those kinds of situations. I tried changing up the lacings in my skates. I tried rotating my wheels. I tried different wheels. I tried adjusting my trucks. I tried doing everything except for going to the doctor to get it fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then when I finally did go to the doctor, she just kind of held my foot in her hand and said, oh, you have a collapsed arch. And she said, yeah, she said that the collapsed arch was causing the shin splint in that leg and then the compensation 
for that was causing the issues in the other leg. So that's why it was bilateral. She said, so we're going to put you on a routine where you need to rest for six weeks and then start walking and then start running and then start skating again. So I did the resting for six weeks and then I started with the walking and then I started with the running but then it was hurting again. So I would go, I would be like, oh, I'm just out of shape because I haven't been doing my usual stuff. So I went back to the rest again for six weeks. And then a whole bunch of other stuff happened in my life where my dad got sick and I was flying back and forth to Tucson. And so all of this got neglected for like a year. And then I went back to her because I said, it's still, it's, it's worse even now. And I had gotten orthotics, prescription orthotics in my shoes. And she said, oh, well, you're wearing terrible shoes. You need to get better shoes. So she sent me to Schuler Shoes <laughs> to get better <laughs> shoes to go with my orthotics. And when I took my shoe off, the guy there said, oh, my God, what's going on with your foot? And I said, well, yeah, I have a collapsed arch. And he said, what are you doing about it? And I said, this I'm here at Schuler Shoes to, to get shoes, <laughs> and he said, "Well, we have really good shoes, but it's not going to fix that." Yeah. And so I impulse bought a pair of two hundred dollars shoes that were just ugly AF because I was just really rattled. And I took them home, and my kids made fun of them, and they said, "You got to take those back, Mom. You can't walk around in those shoes." <laughs> so I went back to Schuler Shoes, and it was a different person there. And I explained mm. the situation, and she said, "Okay, well, we'll get you some better looking shoes." And I took my shoe off and she said, oh, my God, what's going on with your foot? And I was like, that's what the guy yesterday said. And she's like, you got it. You got to get that fixed. So I got a second opinion <laughs> for yeah. my foot because here were two Schuler shoe salespeople that See were just feet every single right, day alarmed by the sight of my foot. So he, too, held my foot. And then he sent me for an MRI. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. And the MRI said that I had torn my posterior tibial tendon. So if, if listeners at home, you want to go to like the middle of the inside of your calf. Mm. I mean, Andy can see it here because I have a scar. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's just a little scar, but still. That's a, Yeah, that's, um, that's not where they did the major part of the surgery. But so it starts from like the middle of the inside of your calf. And then it goes down and it goes around your ankle and this tendon holds up your arch. So my tear is actually right here behind my ankle. Okay. That little part is where it tore. Yeah. So it did cause a collapsed arch. But since it wasn't diagnosed properly and I walked and ran and sometimes skated on it with a torn oh, no. posterior tibial tendon, um, the top of my foot... It had stress fractures all across it and those stress fractures would heal up and be like have arthritis set in them and then fracture again just continuously like fracturing oh. um and i had the start of a bunion because my foot was trying to compensate and my heel got misaligned oh wow so um, when the mri diagnosed that all of this was going on he told me he said well you're going to have to have this foot surgery. You have to have this major foot reconstructive surgery. And it was like right after my dad died. And I was like, I don't have PTO. I don't have emotional labor to do this. I don't have any of that. So he put me in a walking boot and sent me to PT to try to do it in a non-invasive way. 
And he said, I think that what you're going to find is it's going to feel better being in the walking boot and doing the PT, but then as soon as you're out of the walking boot, it's all just going to fall apart again. Right back in the cycle of pain. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what happened. I was really optimistic. I was like, no, I'm going to avoid the surgery. Surgery is a scam. I'm not going to do it. But then it did. It just, it all just fell apart again. So then I had to go in and have this whole foot reconstruction surgery. Um, So they, they, what they call it is they cleaned out (laughs) the arthritis on the top of my foot. Um, They realigned it. So the bunion was fixed. Um, They cut my heel vertically up and down ways i'm glad you i have vertical and horizontal i always have i struggle with i know what the difference i'm like all right stripes vertical. because when he first said yeah that he was gonna cut my heel i thought that it made sense that it would be horizontal yeah um you know like the bottom but no it, it was a vertical cut and then it was held into place by these external pins is what they called them but they were really nails that go way deep in you uh-huh. could see them on the x-ray and then I have these screws in the middle of my foot kind of holding everything together, holding the arch up. For the tendon itself, because so once he reconstructed the foot so it was structurally holding up, he, while he was in there, he did a graft on the tendon. So he took some tendon tissue from between two other toes and grafted it in there so that could heal. And then this, this part that you saw here is actually where he lengthened the Achilles tendon. The oh. Achilles goes all the way up there, too. So Yeah, because when it pops, apparently, like, you can hear it recoil. I don't know. From, from but, yeah, he I've said heard, that yeah. because it was like this for so long that the Achilles would need to be lengthened in order to accommodate the different change in foot. So how this comes in with the pain, though, like we were talking about couple weeks ago um, as a social worker I do integrated care so the folks that are on my caseload they have health issues and they have mental health issues physical and mental health issues and a lot of times their mental health issues are an obstacle to getting their health issues taken care of so you know like I mean alcoholism and homelessness and managing diabetes you know if you don't have a roof over your head it's really hard for you to check your blood sugars um or eat you know a solid diet that is prescribed for diabetic management um so yeah i mean (laughs) avoid trash foods literally right yes and you know i have a lot of folks that have anxiety and then they also have dental issues so there's the dental anxiety so I work with them to help get their health needs met while also managing their mental health Um, something that is pretty pervasive with the folks that I work with is chronic pain a lot of folks have chronic pain a lot of back pain and hip pain and knee pain and neck pain and head pain Um, and a lot of that is from rough life and also sometimes mental health symptoms can manifest themselves in in the way of pain um yeah Yeah. (laughs) people that you know people that have depression and anxiety will have more headaches and and neck pain and stuff like that it's it's just kind of a given Uh, Um, is it psychosomatic it's not even it's not even psychosomatic i mean they've they've proven that anxiety and depression do manifest themselves that folks with mental 
health issues will also have more stomach issues too. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm well, so far out. Of, I have a psych degree and I haven't practiced in like 10 years almost now that mm-hmm. I think about it. Holy shit. Uh, so I'm like, what did I learn? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because my particular position came into being because there were studies that were done that showed that people that have chronic persistent mental illness are dying significantly younger than the rest of the population. Yeah, but, we were talking about the ACE, the ACE yes. test. I took that. Did you? Uh, How'd my, you do? I got a seven. Is that high? A seven out of ten. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, high. Got, yeah. Pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, the folks that, and by significantly younger, I'm saying like 20 years younger. Yeah. People with mental illness are dying like 20 years younger than the rest of the population. But they're dying from the same things as the rest of the population. They're dying. It, it's not an increase in homicide or suicide. It is cancers and heart disease. Yeah, heart disease and um, you know mel- metabolic syndrome and and those things. So when they're doing studies, they're trying to find out why why people with mental illness are being affected by these things so much earlier and dying so much younger and a lot of it comes to access and availability to food medicine safe housing you know those sorts of things mental health treatment yeah so my position came into being to try to cover that gap to try to get folks the services and the supports that they need to extend their life in ways that works for them right yes so With the chronic pain, um, when I first started in my position eight years ago, opioids were still pretty routinely prescribed and prescribed pretty freely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. People, um, particularly some specific providers, would be very liberal with the prescriptions of narcotic pain medicines. so there were people that had some dependencies on yeah. these pain medicines. Um, and now we know that we know a lot more about the pain medicines than we used to. And I know it's controversial because we've kind of swung in the other direction where they're hard to get now. And yeah. people are only getting like 30-day supplies and then they have to go back to their doctor for another 30-day supply which again is kind of privilege based yeah. because <laughs> having reliable transportation and uh, having yeah. access to that is is not easy so there it's it's a whole different kind of problem yeah but for the most part i think that it's generally accepted that it's best to get people off of long term use of narcotic pain medicine that's bad on your body in general it is and i mean we know too that they create a dependency and the way that they work they actually make you more susceptible to pain they actually increase the sensitivity in your nervous system so that you feel pain more that along with needing higher doses in order to manage the pain is just a whole ball of problems that's not to say that they don't have their place I don't want yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say that, but finding a way to manage chronic pain 
without narcotic pain medicines is is best for everybody and there are places that do it you know you and i we talked about the united pain clinic yeah to give a plug to a specific yeah, place <laughs> but um yeah they have a whole team and it's you know it's part of united hospital so it's it's legit it's not you know magic medicine or anything yeah. it's legit but they do use biofeedback and um, acupuncture and talk therapy and water therapy and physical and occupational therapies to teach you how to manage your pain because all pain originates in the brain we talked about that yeah too. yeah <laughs> and it's the signal's not getting to your brain yeah right and i'll, I'll some folks get upset hearing that because they're like, oh, you're saying it's in my head. And that's just because that's where your brain sits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if your brain was in your butt, it would be in your butt. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, it, I'm not saying that it's not real pain. And I'm not saying that it's psychosomatic or anything like that. And the example that we use is like, we've all had an experience where we've come home from doing something fun and we notice bruises. You know, we're yeah. like, oh, I was at a concert and I was dancing or I was playing roller derby or flag football or something. And I come home and I have these bruises and I don't even remember getting hit because you're having fun. And that affects your your brain is busy with other things. And then you can have a really bad day and you're tired and you're not feeling well and you stub your toe. And it's just like the worst fucking thing in the whole world. The tower has fallen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So there are so many things that affect how you perceive pain. Yeah. Um, and vast, vast amounts of studies on these if people want to look into it. So our medicine has realized that managing how your brain perceives and interprets and processes and reacts to pain is the way to learn to manage chronic pain. Um because you're like, it's like multitasking isn't a thing because your, your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. So mm -hmm. task switching. Yeah. So pain switching. And the thing about it is this is way less fun and less easy than taking a pill. Yeah. Um, it takes work. It takes time. Sometimes the pain gets worse before it gets better. Um, sometimes during the talk therapy, you're uncovering trauma and the roots of things that are unpleasant to have to face. So it, not everybody wants to do it this way. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. Uh, yeah. And like, like you said, it has a place and mm -hmm. some people are ready to take this particular challenge and other people would prefer not to. And that is your choice well i know i mean the choice is kind of being taken away though since the default of you know oxy is being removed people aren't getting their prescriptions to be able to numb it and numb their brains and just continue on and yeah. just take an ibuprofen and over-the-counter things aren't going to work so more folks are having to go to this whether they want to or not yeah. because they can't just live day in day out with chronic debilitating pain yeah. so. <laughs> so i have bad knees um and i went and i do pt for my knees and my knees cause hip pain and mm -hmm. lower back pain and all sorts of stuff so i just started going to pt for my knees and hip and it's worked a lot i lax the last couple of weeks and i'm feeling it in my hip right now and i'm but yeah. when I was doing the exercises routinely, 
it helped it helped so much and then it also like it took away some of my depression because like at 33 years old you don't want to be like oh i have this dying body that hurts (laughs) and like i feel my knees every day like every day but doing the PT helped because then I didn't feel the knees mm-hmm. as much. Right? Like my muscles would burn around. I'd be like, ah, oh, I am sore there. Wow. And it was a different focus. So yeah, and that worked really well for me. <laughs> well, and you and I talked those couple weeks ago, too, about managing yeah. migraines through yeah. guided imagery. You yeah. know, just, I mean, to freak everybody out, Andy mention that he thinks about having a needle put in and I do too and when I've talked to my kids who have migraines they do too talk about you know a needle in that exactly where it hurts either cod or cold or you know like lidocaine or novocaine or something numbing just something this is uh (laughs) this is just the thing that I'm doing I'm like I'm just gonna treat this one area yes and then to just focus on it and I'd make like the mental image of what it looks like, what the whole area looks like, mm. like the skeleton and where the muscles attach. And then I'm like, all right, and we're just going to go here for this procedure. It's a whole thing. It gets weird. But no, it works for me. It, do- it, it does. super works for me. And that's like a really basic understanding of how controlling your mind can control how you perceive the pain. Because yeah. you're not you're not injecting yourself with anything. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, you know it does help. It yeah. it does. Um, it's super great for me. I mean, yeah. it's like a like a type of meditation, right? Uh, so yeah, I don't. It works for me. Try it. I mean, yeah, pain I, does hurt. Exactly. <laughs> but so fast forwarding then from working with the pain with the folks that I work with to my situation. Um, so I had that big serious foot surgery. Yeah. And knowing what I know about narcotic pain medicine, um, I took the narcotic pain medicine for 24 hours. I, you know, I took it the day that I was in the hospital, and then I took it the next day because I was coming home, and I had to navigate those stairs yep. right there. Um, and I just I wanted to get myself safely up to the bed. Give yourself a break for a little bit. Yeah. And then the next day I started in on the, the Tylenol, these horse pills of Tylenol. Oh, they're so big. <laughs> I know. And I took those for like three days. Yeah. And I was supposed to take them for a week. I was supposed to take them for a week after taking the narcotic pain medicines for a week. So I just jumped ahead and I took those for like three days and then I called to ask if I could take the ibuprofen because yeah. the, you know, the Tylenol was, I didn't need that much Tylenol. And they said, sure, yeah, you can take the ibuprofen. And I took those for three days. So I was, I only took pain medicine for a week, for seven days. And then I had to go in to see him after three weeks. I think it yeah. was two or three weeks I had to go in for him to check everything out. And I told him that I was worried. I said, I'm worried because I'm not having any pain. It doesn't hurt. I haven't taken any pain medicine since that first week. I haven't taken any narcotic pain medicine since that first day. And I saw the x-rays and it feels like it should be hurting and it's not. Yeah. And he did some, you know, wiggle toes and touching things. And I was like, yeah, I can feel everything. I'm not having nerve damage. I can feel it. I'm just not having pain. And he frowned and he said, I got to tell you that usually at this point, people are reporting much higher levels of pain than what you are. And the best that we could come up with was, 
me dealing with that foot being as injured as it was yeah that my brain had remapped how I feel pain in that particular area yeah you went from a constant eight to a three yeah it wasn't even on the radar right and I mean I wasn't walking on it I I couldn't walk on it obviously yeah so it was just resting it was just sitting there and it was doing fine it was happy as could be so it was it was just really bizarre how it hurt less <laughs> a couple weeks after having surgery than it did before having surgery yeah and once I started walking on it again it was different than then there was pain but yeah, <laughs> yeah it would just work in the muscle that you had for a while well and I mean just like putting new. pressure yeah. on it because you had to build back up you had to do yeah. well and that was there was six weeks out after six weeks I got the pins out that hurt um and then I was in a walking boot, and for the first week I could put 25% pressure, and the second yeah. week 50%, and so on and so forth. So now it's a year and some out. I re-injured it over the winter, and that's when you saw me in the yeah. in the walking boot. I thought, I thought since it had been eight months at that point since I had the surgery that I was fine demonstrating derby stops in my gym shoes. But I wasn't. Apparently, I I, when I went in to see him because it hurt bad. It hurt really bad (laughs) and it didn't go away. So I went in to see him after a couple days and he had an ultrasound ordered and he asked what I had been doing. And I told him and he said, you're not even you're not even in the first year. I was like, not even in how many years is this going to apparently it takes a while. So. Well, like ligament stuff, um, mm. I was just reading an article, it, it takes like two years yeah. before it's back to where it, it was, and that doesn't mean good. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. just means where it was. So, yeah, and you're doing that eight months in, so mm-hmm. did you tear it, or? Partial tear. So just a little staple, and away they went? Oh, he or? didn't go back in. He put me in that walking boot. I was in the walking boot for three months. Oh, three wow. months, in the in the middle of winter, I know, it was great. <sighs> Um, but yeah, he said then, <coughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, he said that when I take the boot off, you know, and I, I didn't have to wear it in the shower and when I was sleeping and stuff. Yeah. So he said that when I took it off, um, I would know, I would know whether it's better or not. Yeah. And he said, if it's not better, come back in. And when I took it off, it was better. Yeah. So. So now it's you're better. Just taking it easy. I am taking it <laughs> easy. Yes. Do you go get checkups every now and then to see how it's at or are they just kind of like. He said that I could come back a year out if I wanted to, if I needed to. Um, But a year out was still, a year out would have been end of May, middle of May. And I only got out of the walking boot in like February. So I didn't see a point in going back at that point. So I figured I'd give it another year. And then if it's, yeah, yeah, because I mean, I'm not going to have another surgery. That's just, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, that was uh, just a bear of a recovery in general. Right. Yeah. So So do you have any pain on a daily basis? Yes. Just like a a normal two, three, I guess. I mean, it, it, I I don't even know how to, because it just, it feels like. It just feels normal now for it to just have yeah. that pain. Is it like a buzzing or like an aching or? It feels kind of like a stretching, straining. Okay. Like a cramp almost. Yeah. I mean, just kind of like a tension. 
Oh. Kind of a little burning, you know, like yeah. when you're pulling something a little too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, when they did the MRI or the ultrasound, they could see the stitches. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering, you know, if the stitches still being in there causes something too. I don't know. I mean, and the foot mm -hmm. does not bend the way it used to. Um, I have to walk downstairs. Walking upstairs is fine. Walking downstairs, I have to have my foot sideways on the stair because it just, it doesn't bend. Yeah, I have to do that. I just have big feet. <laughs> okay. <So> I, <laughs> I have big feet and I'm clumsy. So I'm like, nope, you just put mm -hmm. your whole foot on the stairs, walk sideways. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, yeah. it's different learning how to walk and learning how to run again with it and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I would say probably a two. Yeah. yeah, and just sitting here flex. Yeah, probably a two. Do you think the more you're able to kind of move it back to where it was, the more it'll kind of stretch into the place where it should be? Yeah, it will. It will. So. And once I feel really good about it, I plan on starting yoga. Because yeah. like you said, I mean, everything else is all messed up too. Yeah. Um, I think it starts at the bottom and works its way up. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I've my knees work differently. My hips work differently. I mean, plus yeah. I've, I put on a whole lot of weight. <laughs> I, <laughs> I put on a lot of weight when, so I've talked about my uh, hypothyroid. Uh, by now, people are super familiar with it. But uh, about three years ago, I put on like 30 pounds mm -hmm. in like three months. And so yeah. I put on the last three years, I put on 50 or 60 pounds. Yeah. So I'm hoping my metabolism goes back to what it was. I hear good things yeah. about the thyroid medicine kicking things back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping. But, but um, yeah. So. Yeah. And even just like that extra weight adds a little bit of pain too. It does. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just. <sighs> I'm so happy that I'm like finally in a position in life where I can, you know, do like the treatments, mm -hmm, get the mm -hmm. stuff because like, I I let it go for so long because I just couldn't afford it. Okay. So yeah. I, I totally know yeah. where people are coming from and not being able to afford basic healthcare. Yeah. Well, then that's the thing. Um, another interesting thing is after my surgery, um, it's probably a couple couple weeks after the surgery when things were better. I had been off of all of the pain medicine and you know I things were good uh, that's when the depression hit yeah and I have learned through my years on this planet that if you're googling something to find out if it exists it exists and you have it yeah just don't <laughs> no I, I mean it, it actually was helpful because I googled sur depression after surgery yeah. and I found out that it is actually such a common side effect of surgery that they don't even consider it abnormal. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. And y yeah. I, That's awesome. It's compounded I mean, by so many things. Anesthesia for one thing. Yeah. People that do take the narcotic pain medicines for longer, that definitely has an effect on your mood, being on them and then coming off of them. Um, being dependent on other people I was completely dependent on people taking care of me for yeah. doing all of the shopping and being around when I bathed and bringing me food and it's it makes you feel so helpless yeah. and then it also makes you you have all of these hours with nothing to do so you think about your own mortality oh yeah <laughs> it was just it's just a recipe for 
depression. So it's a spiral. Yeah. You just don't realize what part of the spiral you're on until you're in the middle. <laughs> right. Because I had I had settled everything up at work. I had saved up my PTO. I had made sure that I had this time clear to just recover. And I thought, I'm just going to be watching TV and reading books and writing and just, ooh, up in my bed having fun. And then all I did was lay up there and cry all day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It sounds crazy to laugh at something like that, but it's also like, I'm through it. I'm better. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it did. I mean, it felt like it was never going to end, too. I mean, it just you get in that hole. You get into a hole and you're like. This is my life now. People tell me it'll be different, but what if it's not? What if it's not better? What if it's not? Yeah, I mean, because yeah. you have nothing to do but think about all of the what ifs. You don't realize how focused you can get with depression. <laughs> but, right. But you can focus really good with depression is yes. what I've learned. Yes. Oh, and you can pinpoint it. You can get <sighs> so deep with depression. I'm just such a burden to everybody. Yeah. They all, when, you're, I, yeah. Yeah. when you're not in a depressive state. I can't focus on anything. Mm-hmm. But when I'm depressed, oh, you give me one little thing and I can be <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know what? I used this word and that could hurt someone this way. And I'm just a piece of shit. No one wants yeah. to be around me. It sucks. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So reading about it actually helped. That was a big that was a big help because so many people have written. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I'm knocking the equipment around because <laughs> my cat is getting too close. It's OK. It has um, rubber boots. reading other people's testimony about having experienced similar things made me feel better about it and knowing then that it would end and this is a common part of this but you know so I would be in my bed and I had the knee scooter and I could take the knee scooter to the bathroom I had a shower bench and I had the handheld shower thing um to be able to bathe myself and then come back out and go back to my bed and wrap and rewrap my foot. Cause it wasn't Elevates. in a cast or anything. Yeah. yeah. And have it elevated. Um, I used Amazon prime delivery <laughs> and Coburn's delivers and DoorDash a lot. Um, people would bring me things and my kids were taking care of things and yeah. <laughs> everything was great. But all during that time, I kept thinking about the folks that I work with. Yeah. And I have had I have had folks be discharged into homelessness after surgeries. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Discharged into shelters. You know, like some of the shelters will have some medical floors where they can, but they have to pay for those. Those aren't, yeah. those aren't free. Um, and how are they going to pay for it? Right, I mean, get the medication they need, yeah, food, right, and so that that didn't help my depression much because then I was just like, oh, you're just a selfish bitch. (laughs) Look at you, everything you're in your nice little apartment, and people are taking care of you, and every needs met, and you have disposable income to do DoorDash and all of this, Um, and I just I felt so bad for folks that I work with that didn't have these these luxuries because I mean this was fucking hard hard and I didn't even have pain I like I said I didn't even have pain and if I had had pain on top of all of that and yeah it was 
a very eye-opening experience for helping me to do my job better. I mean, I feel yeah. like I had sympathy and empathy, and I worked for my folks before, but yeah. afterwards, it just really... You fully discovered your privilege. Yeah, yeah. Squishy nose. <laughs> this is the second cat attack in this season. Uh, this cat's name is Squishy. Uh, if you've listened back to the other episode with Dave on Bland, uh, one was Dump Truck. <laughs> I don't remember what the other one was, but <laughs> the Dump Truck. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> Super funny. Uh, so yeah, uh, cats, I'm allergic to cats. Uh, cats love me. Yeah, so, so Squishy is just all yeah. up around him, and I keep trying to push him off I quietly. don't have problems <laughs> with cats. I like them. I would like to pet them. I just... <laughs> yeah, I just it's easier for me not and then we'll just have this weird little staring contest. <laughs> and then away we go. <laughs> All right. So, um now that you've been through uh what you've been through, um you said it makes you like more efficient and effective at I your job. I don't know if it because I'm still there there are only so many parameters. Yeah. I guess it just it makes me hurt more <laughs> for my folks because you know there's only so much that you can do and that I can do you know I mean I, I it, it's against the law to have them come move in here while they're recovering from surgery yeah. I awesome. can't do that so yeah but you're doing as much as you can I am and you're it, aware right and that's part of that is how do you do change if you don't know what needs to be changed right so I guess it makes me want to champion even more for medical reform yeah you know just our system our system is way more problematic than it needs to be yeah the it's a pay to be sick system mm -hmm. which which sucks yes we don't need to get political but healthcare everyone should have access to it yes and, yes. It, and if you think people don't deserve to have health care, please stop listening to my podcast. <laughs> I yeah, don't want yeah. you. I don't want right. you. Sorry. I just don't. I think everyone should have access to it. Growing up as a poor kid, not having access to it, it sucks. Mm -hmm. like, I have so many injuries that have maimed me for life that I couldn't afford to get fixed. Oh, and yeah. now that I can afford to adjust to the things that cause these issues, uh, it really makes me mad that I've had this issue as long as I can remember. And the first time I told someone about it, I was 12 mm, and mm -hmm. I'm 34 as when you hear this podcast, I'm 34 when we're recording, I'm 33. So, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it's just, it's sad. No, no kid should have to have any of that stuff. No, no kid. No, no, no adult. adult, no yeah. elderly person, yeah. nobody. Everyone should have access to it. And not just, I mean, the health care is part of it, but the housing is another big part yeah. of it. And we have we have such a housing crisis here. Oh, yeah. I mean, affordable health or affordable housing right. doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I know. I mean, it does, but it's. Where is it at? You know, do you have access? Right. To it, all the other they're things all full. Need? They're yeah. all full. Awful, awful, awful. Awful, awful. Yeah, both. Um, yeah, that we, we, I have a job where homelessness is not considered a crisis. Ugh. 
I know, where people call me and tell me that they've had a change in housing because of certain circumstances and they don't have anywhere to live. And my response is, that is really, that's, that's awful. That's awful. Yeah. And I can get you in contact with a housing worker through the county, through the state. We can get you set up with the people, but you're not going to have anywhere to stay tonight. You're not going to have anywhere to stay Christmas, probably. I mean, it's yeah. it takes such a long time to be able to fu- get set up. The waiting lists are so long. I mean, even folks that have Section 8, sometimes finding a place to use the voucher is yeah impossible. Why don't you even talk about like the working poor crisis? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people that work two, three jobs and mm-hmm. still can't make enough money right to support themselves yeah I mean, you can talk about oh unskilled jobs this and that also if that's your argument please stop listening to my podcast <laughs> i don't want you yeah I, everyone deserves the right to live right and we have folks that i mean everybody that's on my caseload is diagnosed with a disability they have they receive disability benefits so but they're just, dis- I mean, they're yeah. still homeless, still not able to afford food. Um, or to move to a place that they could live at. Cause right. Because moving costs money. It's right. It's yeah. not free. Yeah. That's, uh, makes me sad and mad at the same time. Oh, me, me I, too. Definitely. Yeah. That's part of the reason why I got out of psychology. Um, I, was dealing with um, finishing my just my four year. I at the time I'd done a lot of like uh, practicum stuff. I'd done a lot of like workload case studies, that kind of stuff. Um, and I had a teacher that was like, "Oh yeah, and we, I'm a psychologist, and if we want to get paid, this is uh, what we'll diagnose our clients with and whatnot." And I'm like, "So you're giving them a false label mm-hmm. just so you can get paid? How fucked up is that? You should be able to give them the label that." they need mm-hmm. and still get paid and the fact that you're not fighting for that just shows how fucked up and broken our system is yeah like yeah. that completely broke me and at then i was just like i need to finish this degree and that's that's it for me i don't i can't be in a spot where i have to be disingenuous just so i can live too mm-hmm. that's not not cool <laughs> <laughs> no no that's not cool. i don't like it <laughs> no and in my position, I don't do diagnostics. I don't, I'm not someone that gives diagnoses. Yeah. Um, you need more schooling than I've had for that. Um, yeah. It sucks. Ugh. Social workers are a very special type of people. That job is so fucking hard. It is hard. I'm, I work for a really, really great organization. I'm very, I'm very happy with where I am. I've had this position for a long time and I like what I do and yeah. So we need people like you. I'm not going to complain about it. (laughs) We we do. I, I couldn't do it. It broke my heart so many times working with little kids. I can't work with kids. I can't do that. That's what ruined me. Yeah. That I worked, um, my practicums that I did in my mid years were with like kids four to eight years old. And you would hear that the night before their dad beat the shit out of them, Mm. but you couldn't take them out of the house because a litany of reasons. And it was just, 
heartbreaking and you're just like hey bud you're a person that deserves love and mm-hmm. you can't tell them like hey your parents love you it's okay because now then you're participating in this circle right. of abuse yeah. like you're not helping because you're telling them no but they love you it's like well your dad kicked <laughs> the shit out of you yesterday yeah like yeah that's it's it's fucked up <laughs> it is it is no i i can't work with kids and i can't work with the elderly these <laughs> the middle are, ground yeah i do really i do best with the 18 to 65 <laughs> yeah. 18 to 65 um yeah i've had I've done social work. Um, I got my degree in Ohio, so I worked there. My first job out of school was at a residential treatment facility. Oh, nice. I worked in a cabin. We called them cabins um, for females, girls who had um, mental illness and mental retardation. Okay. So they had several things going on um yeah I, I, if you want to hear some stories <laughs> yeah. you can say that for a different one okay uh, <laughs> we'll say that for a different i also worked at a uh, a long-term health provider uh for men over like the age of 60 that had schizophrenia okay and it was okay. a live-in home and, uh-huh. um that's where i first noticed i had night terrors Oh, okay. I woke up in the middle of the night screaming. And then I was like, I've had this feeling before. So I've, <laughs> I just have, I have night terrors and have okay. for, I know since I was 21, but <laughs> interesting. Uh, I can't confirm before, but yeah. Mm. So those things can mess with you. I, I did overnight shift there. Okay. Yeah. So. See, I did overnight with the yeah. residential treatment. Yeah. At that cabin, um, I did some day shifts and other things, but I, I, for a period, was night shift, and you know they would they would come out and they would want to be running away, yeah, and they would be all up in my face and saying, "We're gonna leave, and what are you gonna do about it?" And I would say, "Well, it's cold outside. You should get your coat." And they go back in and they get their coat and they'd leave. And as soon as the door closed, I would call the supervisor and then call yeah. the police. Um, I, I was not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I was making $11,500 oh a year <laughs> at that time. That's what, it like was $19.91. $7, $7 an hour or something like that? <laughs> I was not paid enough to tackle these girls. Um, they never <laughs> figured out either that... I would just call the police. Um, had they caught on, they might have tied me up and gagged me or something. But yeah. they just—it just—they didn't have that much forethought to to do that. So thankfully, I know. Yeah, because that <laughs> yeah. things could have been very weird. Um, but oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I, uh, I was just like, all right, we we're talking about a lot of stuff. We, we are should, talking we should, about a lot like, of stuff. Do we? This wanna? is an entirely different episode, and I love it. And I want to <laughs> talk about it, but I'm like, this has got to be a different episode. So, oh, okay. Uh, let, <laughs> uh, let's transition back uh, okay. to the uh, to your foot pain and um, how your recovery process has gone. 
uh, which we've already talked, like you've had a little setback and mm-hmm. you're almost two years out now, which is. Well, no, about a year out. Like it May, was, I think is. A ye- yeah. May was a yeah. year. So a year and a half. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm really bad with months. It's Once okay. it's on the tail end of the year, I'm like, <laughs> it is another year. That's another 12 <laughs> months. It doesn't matter when it happens. It's August, December. It's 12 months. Uh, always. I'm really bad with months. Um, so what can you say for people that are going to go through like a similar thing or like chronic pain? Like what's some good advice or like resources? I know we talked about uh, one of them, but if you want to just kind of mm. rattle off a list. Well, I really, really recommend United Pain Clinic for managing chronic pain. Um, you know, and they do run diagnostics too. So if you've got something like, oh, you actually do have a torn posterior tibial tendon, they'll fix it. They'll fix it for you right there. Yeah. Not same day, but they will <laughs> fix it for you because um, they're a legitimate hospital and, and do legitimate medicine. Um, you can't biofeedback away some things. They, <laughs> they need... <laughs> surgical intervention um but if it's not some if it's something that's been taken as far as it can go and it's still hurting then i would really recommend recommend them um if you're gonna have to undergo a big procedure really try to have your supports in place and know that depression is part of it so accept it roll with it use your whatever works for you to manage some depression yeah if you've never had depression if you've never had depression i mean it manifests itself in different ways for different people Mm -hmm. i mean everybody thinks that it's the the crying all the time but sometimes it can just it can be sad sometimes it manifests itself in anger or irritability um mine feels like someone's pushing down on my brain okay i feel squishy Okay. If that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I feel hollow. I feel oh. empty and hollow and yeah, I feel kind of like what the sky looks like in November. That's <laughs> Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, mine is like uh mine feels like uh you know those stress balls? Mhm. You know, if you like not like a full squeeze, but like just a little bit of a squeeze, it, that's what my brain feels like. It okay. feels like someone's just kind of giving a little a little push. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I feel and like I've had it manifest in a couple different ways. I've had uh, one hemisphere of my brain depressed and the other not. Interesting. Which was very weird. Um, I wrote a whole poem about it. It's very <laughs> weird. Uh, but that one was the weirdest one I've ever had where I could feel like my creative side was fine. Mm-hmm. But my personality and everything like that was really just squished oh okay yeah that's the only way i can really describe it but it was only on one side and i could physically like not physically i could mentally feel the side of my brain that was just and it like manifested like my eye felt like it was protruding more than the other like there's like all these little things yeah luckily it only lasted or lasted for like a week or two okay but that was weird yeah that was that might have been right after i got my tonsils out after I had a major surgery. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that, that and you sense. know, you might have had some actual physiological stuff going on in your head too. Yeah. You know, that was, that with was a weird different time. sinuses and fluids. And I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you are experiencing depression, um, talk with someone about it. 
Yes, talk to someone about it. Talk to your doctor. Um, I also work in a field where we like to connect folks with psychiatrists. However, you don't always need a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist is someone who will prescribe medications. And you might not know this, but we have a nationwide shortage of psychiatrists. Um, nationwide shortage of psychiatrists, um, psychiatric nurses, um, psychiatric physicians, assistants, so people that prescribe psych meds. It's just really, it's like an epidemic proportions, how, how hard it is to get into to see folks to do that. So primary care is actually picking up on things that are easier to prescribe. So if you just need a little SSRI, you know, mm -hmm. a Prozac or Zoloft or something, your primary care doctor is perfectly capable of doing that. Yeah, like a little less give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna take the give a fucks out of this one, just a, <laughs> just a little bit. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. I, I think uh, I think more people need to talk about mental illness and where they're at because we don't do a good job about talking about it. We do not, and no, I'm happy to have a whole other thing, and we Me talk too. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It's one of the things I love about this podcast, and it's one of the things that's also. Um, this podcast does take a physical toll on me. Mm -hmm. uh, I uh, I think it's part of the reason why I only do a, a shoot like a certain amount of episodes. And sometimes I like to just do a lighthearted one in between because like all of these situations that people have gone through. And now this is episode 30 something. Uh, every single one of the situations is a different thing that a person went through. And it's a hard, difficult thing that they went through. And if you don't feel for people when they go through that stuff, uh, I am jealous of you. I am sorry. I'm going to say it. I wish I didn't have as much feelings as I do, but I need to talk about it. And this show, uh, this helps me, like, I guess, connect more. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm all about connections. So uh, if you really like the podcast, uh, please let me know. Um, and just, you know, what, whatever you want to hear about, or if there's, there's something you're struggling with, but you feel alone, I will make it a personal challenge to find someone that has something like that, that's willing to have a conversation uh, with me about it. So wow. email me, message me, I'm available. Even if you just need to have a chat, uh, I'm more than willing to talk. It sucks being alone or feeling alone. This does. It does. Yeah. There's a lot of people like us out there. Yeah. They say yeah. one in four, but there's no way it's that low. No. There's no way it's that low. No. Maybe it's one in four people don't have some form. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to hit it at some point in life. Right. But people are here for you. You're not alone. We love you. Ah, this episode's getting me weird. Really, my feels. I like that. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. But I haven't been in my fields in a while. It's uh, like we've been talking uh -huh. uh, when I got treated for my uh, my thyroid. My anxiety is back now, mm -hmm. but my depression is starting to go away. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like supercharged with my feelings, whereas before I was just like, oh, I feel you. And then like squishy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, man, how can I help you? And I'm like empathetic more than I was before. And now I'm also processing, oh, did I say something that was insensitive that could have hurt your feelings? And then I'm like, okay, I need to apologize. And then my brain is like, don't 
you got to get past that. Yep. You got to get past that feeling. It's fine. So <laughs> I'm yep. working on that side of things too. Uh, but that's part of where I'm at. So now you know my struggles, uh, depression and anxiety are things that I deal with on a daily basis. Me so, too. Me yeah. too. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. Uh, I, I'm, once I'm getting my thyroid done, once that's all figured out, I'm going to enter into uh, getting like a counselor or something mm-hmm. just to talk with, you know, if it's once a month, if it's you know, once every few weeks, whatever, just to also have that sounding board that doesn't need to be a friend or something right exactly because it's nice to have an impartial it is yes it really Mm -hmm. is and then you're not a burden on your friend just saying that but also having an unbiased impartial person is so someone whose job it is to listen to you yes they don't have to give back it's it's not a give and take it's their they're they are compensated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paid in. So, yeah, you don't have to pay in social niceties. You just, you, you pay yeah. through your insurance if you're fortunate. Oh, it's so freeing. Yes. It's like, no, you have to listen. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, awesome. I feel good. Do you feel good? I do. Yes. Awesome. Um, do you want to uh, talk about how people can find your your things, your, your writing, your comedy um well i'm around some mics and hopefully on some shows i'm kind of selective about where i do comedy right now as you should be yeah and i'm getting more into storytelling events i did something at the strike and i'm hoping to do more things at the strike um i'm going to the moth monthly now um i've heard nothing but good things about moth well i went last week but 27 people put their names in for stories. 27 wow. people. And they only pull like two ten. Or three? Ten. Oh. They pull ten. Wow. So they said it was a record, though. So it's not usually like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mine was not one that got pulled. Can't win them all. No, <laughs> I know. So I just had to drink whiskey and be content with that. Oh, darn. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. Um, do you have a website? I do not have a website. Good. You just don't. Get a YouTube. Throw stuff up on that yeah, if you want. Yeah, I know. I have a website. It costs money. It's weird. My website's weird, uh, but I like it. There's a, bu- there's a bunch of hidden stuff to my website that I'll never tell anyone until Ooh. I figure out how to, like, embed it in areas where you can accidentally click it and discover it. Um I own a bunch of dumb websites. One of them is andyranking.com, where I rank the Andes in the Minneapolis comedy scene. Oh, my God. Uh, I haven't done anything with it yet. I bought it, and then I got super depressed. Okay, okay. (laughs) But that's on my list of things to do. Like a ranking of Uh which which Andes on the most shows and which one's got the most likes or whatever. Uh, So you're ranking them like that. Yeah. Okay. Totally biased. Because there are so many ways you can rank the Andes. There's so many of them. I know you can Just rank them on eye color. Yeah. You know who's Height. got the prettiest eyes. Weight. I know who's who's, yeah, who, who's best dressed. Yeah. The amount uh, of eyes. In are their you head. including Drews too, or yep. just Andy? Okay. Andy's, Andrews, Andres, all of them, any form of the name, um, Andreas, Andreas, okay. Andreas. 
know if there's a Drew version. Are you doing Andrea's too? Is it open yeah, it's for open. all genders? Yep, any of the Andy rankings. Okay. Andy with a Y, Andy with an I, Andy in the form of Drew. You gotta get on this. It's pretty fun. Uh, but get you on. also have to like talk to all the Andys and be like, can I rank you? Or do you not want to participate in this weird website that I'm, I'm making? I, I can't, uh, out of the, you know, like 15 Andes that come to mind, um, I can't see any of them saying no. I agree. <laughs> but like, I have to, <laughs> I you still do, have but... to ask them. Uh, but I think it's fun. I think it'd be really fun because there's so many Andy, Andrew, Andrea oh, yeah. mm-hmm. combinations in, in our city. So yep. uh, I'm going to eventually get to that. So eventually you'll be able to go to andyranking.com, which will just redirect to andymadfield.com. Uh, just so you know. But it'll be there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, so that's where you can find me, andymatfield.com. Uh, I Matt should Field. get a website. I should make my kids make me a website. If you want help, let me know. Okay. I've low-key made a few different comics in the cities, uh, and my prices are very reasonable. Uh, so just let me know. <laughs> I will. Uh, yeah, so you can find me at andymatfield.com. Um, please like, write, Please, actually, you know what? You, you don't need to like, comment, or subscribe, or any of that stuff. Send me a story. Send me a message. Send me something that I can tell the people uh, that you've been through that can help others get through it. Because uh, you've heard a lot of my stories. I have a, I have a lot more, but like you've heard a lot of my stories. I kind of want to hear some of yours. So, Andrew, uh, nope, not going to give you my personal email. Let me rethink that one. <laughs> <laughs> Harddaydiaries at gmail.com. Um, you can email me there or you can message me on the Hard Day Diaries Facebook. Um, but other than that, thank you for listening. And uh, as always, tell me about your hard days.